Welcome back to Women in Product Marketing. Today I chat with Amy Gunnell, the VP Product Marketing at Tremor Video on how to gamify your product marketing career. I love this episode because we discuss the tools and the skill sets to excel in your product marketing career, how to navigate relationships with product managers, and also how to tackle the research and discovery phase that's so daunting to many product marketers. Can't wait for you to listen. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan, and I'm here today with Amy Ganell, the VP of Product Marketing at Tremor. Amy's background is in ad tech product marketing, which is near and dear to my heart, and has led teams at Rhythm One, Yumi, and Tapjoy. She also has experience in the product management world, as well as in the gaming sphere at EA. Welcome, Amy. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Thanks, Mary. Very excited to be here. So let's start with our favorite question this season. What is something that you are the most proud of? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the fun things that happened this year that I'm actually really proud of is that after working at a company for eight years and having gone through multiple acquisitions, I finally got to see the fruits of my labor and join my company on stage at the NASDAQ for their IPO. So that was a really great opportunity to join my peers live after a pandemic in New York and be able to celebrate together everything that we have accomplished. Wow. Congratulations. That's absolutely amazing. Was it a surreal experience when you were up there on the stage? Yeah, it's, you know, you always see it on TV and you see other companies boasting their initial public offering. But for us, it was just a culmination of a lot of hard work and a great opportunity to be there and see your face on the big screen in Times Square and definitely a really fun opportunity. Well, you certainly deserve it. I'm so glad you got to experience it. That's so great. Well, speaking of Tremor and the IPO, I'd love to hear more about your role. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be the VP of product marketing there? Yeah, Tremor International is a really interesting company. We are a leader in global advertising technologies with a focus on connected TV, video, and data. We are a global operation. We have two company brands, basically Tremor Video and then Unruly. And it's great because I have the opportunity to oversee global product marketing for both divisions and focus on two very different customer segments that also are very reliant upon each other. That's so exciting. That must be really fun. And to work internationally, to work with some new and exciting media types like connected TV, which for those of you at home that haven't heard of that term before, it's basically any type of commercials you see on Roku on any of the streaming services that you subscribe to. So that's a really big and growing one. So super cool. I'd love to also hear a bit more about how you got here. So your background, of course, has a lot of product marketing in it, but you have led product teams. You started in gaming. I'd love to hear the journey to get to VP. 
Yeah, it's a, a very interesting journey. So I actually started my career working at ad agencies. I ran media departments for Ford and for Microsoft. And I always envisioned myself kind of following that journey within the advertising agency space and climbing the ladder there. I think after you know five or so years, however, the reality hit that I was getting pretty burnt out. And I wanted the opportunity to do something new. And I was actually approached about this opportunity at Electronic Arts, the gaming company, to come work and help them from a sales development perspective, which I thought was super exciting. I've always been a gamer my entire life. And so being able to work at a company like EA was an amazing opportunity. I joined the team and I was supporting the sales team's efforts from more of a sales enablement perspective, packaging up different offerings and helping to support the sales team. And after about six months or so, I realized that I didn't really like that as much. I didn't want to just be more of like a a sales enablement position. I wanted something that really allowed me to get my hands involved in development and creation of the packages that we were taking to market. And so I had the opportunity to transition into an ad product development role. And that enabled me to work with the actual game developers to determine where do we want to enter or place different ad placements within video games to then be able to package up and sell to advertisers. So that was a really exciting opportunity for me. And then was brought over to Tapjoy to kind of do a similar role in building out their ad solutions division. And then after a couple of years, transitioned over to Yumi where I was hired actually to focus on connected TV, as we just talked about, which was in 2013, not really on anyone's radar. So I you know, had the exciting opportunity to get my feet wet early on in the industry, and then really had the opportunity to grow within the organization from there. So started at Yumi eight years later, I'm now part of Tremor International. I've had everything from the director of product marketing role. I was a VP of product management for a short time, about a year or so, which gave me a really interesting perspective on everything that the product management team goes through. And then really settled back into the product marketing space. That really is my true passion. That's so great. I love your background. I'm so interested in EA gaming space. I'm not a gamer myself, but my brother is and a lot of my friends are. What's your favorite game to play right now? I would say my favorite game right now is one of the Zelda games on Nintendo Switch. Cool. It's actually the amount of evolution video games have seen in the last, I don't know, five years or so is just pretty incredible. And so there are games for everyone out there and gamers are no longer people sitting in the basement playing video games. Everyone is a video gamer at this point, except for maybe you, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) On my phone, I guess. Yeah, still considered a gamer. Future Christmas present. I like this idea. And I'm also so interested, well, in all of your background, but I love how you kind of have this theme of saying, yes, there were opportunities that came to you. You know, you realized you had a burnout moment with the agencies. You got this really cool opportunity with EA. You crushed the sales enablement space, which I've noticed is actually a great pathway into product marketing. Then you got different opportunities along the way that were maybe not exactly what your background was, but you took it and you were able to kind of grow. Did you 
you feel at the time when you were moving to these different transitions that you had this open mindset? Were you hoping to grow or how, how did you feel about that? Maybe just thinking about the jump to the VP of product management, that might've been a big change. How did that happen? And how did you feel about it? And how did it all go down? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're exactly right. Being open to new opportunities, even if you're not comfortable with the idea of the transition is important. And actually one of my former bosses at EA had this conversation with me when I was making some of these moves, even when within that organization. And she's like, you just have to fake it till you make it. And that's really something that I've stood by throughout my entire career. And so when I was approached to take on the opportunity to run the product management team, in addition to product marketing, I jumped at the opportunity, even though I knew I wasn't going to be able to speak in technical terms to the engineering organization, but I was confident enough in my abilities as a product marketer and my understanding of our customers and our business that I knew I could help influence what was happening in the product organization and help them get more structured and how they were making those decisions. And my boss, who is still my current boss, has always been heavily involved. And he and I have a very good collaborative relationship in that he knows where my strengths are and I know where his strengths are. So together, we were able to make that position shift into a success. That's so great. So it sounds like you fake it till you make it, which I hear all the time and I do every day too, but you had one area that you could feel really confident about that you could kind of lean into. That's really great because then that gives you more confidence to expand, to grow, to learn, and be able to really do well at that job. That's great. Great advice. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Never gets old. And then talking about product marketing more. So I know that you really love the discovery phase, which we actually haven't talked about on the show very much. Can you tell us more about that and why it's your favorite and some of the ways that you approach discovery for product marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And it's always interesting to hear other organizations and how they are structured and what they define as product marketing. And I find that the way that I have structured it to some extent isn't always the norm. And I think a lot of this has to do with my background and my experience and traditionally sitting within a product organization and having more of that collaborative relationship with product, and then also having that relationship with the business teams. And so product marketing's value can sometimes not be seen when you don't have this type of opportunity to show your value through the discovery phase. So sometimes you're just seen as a sales enablement function I think that's actually most often how people look at product marketing, to be honest, and that tech in particular. But what I find most interesting to what you mentioned is the discovery phase. And that's where I think we can take our industry expertise, our relationships with the customers and with our sales teams or our biz dev teams and our relationship with product and really bring all of that together in a cohesive story. So for my team, we have a formula that we use. And we typically summarize this information into either a business case or a market requirements doc or an MRD. And basically there are three key questions that I like to have addressed in every one of these MRDs. The first one is, what is that customer problem that we're trying to solve for? 
at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do, whether it's an industry-wide problem or something that's currently impacting one of our specific customers. The second part is actually the recommendation. So how do we solve for that customer problem? And you might be asking, well, why is the recommendation coming right after, you know, what is the problem? My experience is that anytime you're providing any sort of analysis or business case to people within an organization, it's hard to get on their calendars. It's hard to get a lot of time with them. So you need to make sure that you're using your time as effectively as possible. So start with the problem. The next step is what is the recommendation? And then the third question is how does this help the business? That could simply be, you know, it can potentially drive more revenue. It could evolve our business into a new sector. It could position us as a thought leader, whatever that impact might be. And in order to get to that kind of framework, there is obviously a lot of work that goes into that discovery phase. So looking at industry trends, looking at the market sizing, so using the traditional TAM SAMSOM analysis, talking to customers, whether that's directly getting solicited feedback from your commercial team, surveying your customers, whatever it might be to help validate your business case. Lastly, it's making sure that you vetted whatever that recommendation is with your product management team, because if they can't get to this until six months or a year from now, does that change the potential impact this might have on any future benefits to the company? And then also the commercial team, do we have the right structure from a people perspective to make this type of product successful? So it's really working cross-functionally to get all the information you need to tie it back to those three key questions that I outlined at the start. That's fantastic. Thank you for outlining that framework. That's really, really helpful. I'm interested in the partnership with product management throughout the journey. And I'm sure it varies depending on personalities and seniority and things like that. But would you say in general, you are in lockstep with product management and they're helping you along the way or you're defining responsibilities to get to that MRD? I know often companies prior to the MRD, also produce a PRD, a product requirements doc, and then the MRD is kind of built off that. So can you talk about that partnership between product management and product marketing? That's a gray area is often a question I'm asked when coming into a newer product marketing organization. Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually prefer the MRD to come first because I think that it helps to set the stage and helps set up the PRD for success. Now, in an ideal world, that would always be the case. In reality, we know that product oftentimes is asked to build XYZ feature and they just have to get their PRD done and engage the engineering team. And sometimes that means my team has to actually build an MRD after development is already underway, which is not ideal, but it still allows us to get involved in the process and make any changes at that stage of the development cycle. Oftentimes it, again, people are just moving as quickly as they need to in order to get things done, especially in the ad tech space. We're a very agile team, so we're constantly making iterations and launching new products and features. But I've seen that there are instances where products are launched and they haven't been properly scoped in terms of, is this gonna resonate with our customers? 
do we have all the features we need for this to be successful? And in instances where an MRD was not done up front to help qualify everything that needs to be done, those have not always been successful launches. And so that's why I've been very clear to the product management team that we need to work together on this. And we do, we're very collaborative. We have weekly meetings as a team, product marketing and management. And then also my team is structured with certain PMMs focused on publishers and certain PMMs focused on advertisers. So split by customer segment, and then they have their product manager alignment. So it is so important to be collaborative. However, the process flows, MRD versus PRD and which comes first. Again, I like MRD first. It's not always realistic, but both of them need to happen and they both need to be shared with each other. That's really great advice. Do you have any further advice for organizations that aren't as collaborative as yours? So how do you bridge that gap? I've been in this situation myself, I think at least three times where product marketing has to prove themselves to product management in order to become that partnership that you know have. Do you have any advice for how to get there quickly? (laughs) Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you can show your product manager that you have helped make this product successful, I think that helps them bring you into the fold more. That trust with the product management team is so important and they need to recognize that you are adding value to what they're doing. So whether that is tracking success from a product marketing perspective, getting feedback from clients and funneling that back to product, really just showing them the value that product marketing can bring. And then the other thing I actually like to do is just keep the product team aware of what's happening in the industry. Oftentimes they're sitting in their little bubbles and they're focused on one thing or the other, and they don't have that holistic view of what's actually happening. And I think coming in and really showing the product team that you are the expert in what happening in the industry and what's impacting our customers. Again, giving that information to help them look smarter when they're creating their product requirement stocks. Again, anything you can do to make them look better is going to help bridge that relationship with them and help them bring you into the fold sooner than later. Fantastic advice. So prove the value for the project you're working on, but also add value with giving them something they might not know, competitive intel, market insights, recent customer data points or anything that you can have. That is so great. And it really helps everyone. I mean, I think the discovery phase is so important and it's often ignored by product marketing or we don't have time to do it. And it makes everything better when product marketing is involved. So jumping over that hurdle and getting to partner with product management is great. And I love how you've outlined how you've done that really successfully. That's really cool. Any other tidbits for research and the discovery phase that have worked well with you, like types of research you like to do or anything that you've really enjoyed throughout your career? I am pretty much an ad tech industry news sponge. I surf Twitter and LinkedIn on the regular to make sure that I can see what's happening. What's going on? What are people talking about? Again, back to what we previously talked about, I love to share new announcements or new industry news with 
our, you know, not only just the product marketing team, but also the product management team. We'll share it in our weekly meetings. I will send it through Slack just to make sure that people kind of have a pulse on what's going on because things are just changing so quickly. So I really empower everyone who wants to get into product marketing to be hungry for information because the more information you have that you can provide and share to others, the more you will be relied upon as like an expert in terms of what's happening in the space. So just be hungry for information. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to reach out to people on LinkedIn and get their point of view on or other channels, of course. But yeah, just keep a pulse on what's going on. Google searches are also a great way to just get information. We, we use that a lot for competitive intelligence, to be honest. We try to keep a running tab on what our competitors are doing, which isn't always the easiest feat and often times gets pushed to the back burner. But yeah, there's a lot of resources available now to, to find information. That's great advice. And especially for ad tech, I can attest as a former ad techer that there are huge news stories every week. So you really have to pay attention or have someone like you that's feeding them the information. Otherwise, you're going to really miss some big announcements. So glad that you're so invested and curious in it. I think there's you have to find your own way and your own your own style about approaching the research because you can get really sucked in. I think it could be like an hour or two every day, but finding ways to consolidate that. And, and the more information you have, the better you're going to be as a product marketer. So that's really Yeah. Great. And don't always believe what you read, right? A lot of things are positioned for marketing purposes or for shareholders. Always think about who is the audience for this announcement, because mm-hmm. it's always important to try to digest what they're actually proposing or announcing because it's not always what's on the surface. That might be the case. Yes. Is the technology real that they're proposing, for example? Exactly. Yes. I think I have some great examples of that. This has really been helpful to hear more about discovery. And I love the MRD framework. I now like to move a little bit more and talk about your team. And I know that you tend to look for those all around athletes, those full stack product marketers Can you tell us about the responsibilities and and how you think about your team and who you'd want on it in the future? Yeah, I have always had a team that's been probably smaller than most ad tech organizations. So we're very nimble. We can shift around responsibilities on the fly if need be. But it also gives everyone in the team an opportunity to touch every component of the product marketing life cycle. So for those that really are passionate about discoverability, they'll have an opportunity to do that. If they really love sales enablement, there's plenty of opportunity to do that. And as an owner of a product, you get to do all of those steps from start to finish. I have the team structured based on their target customer segment. So again, I have one part of the team focused on our publishers and one part of the team is focused on our advertisers and then someone who covers international because obviously that's a whole other beast with all of those different countries and nuances and privacy and and all that fun stuff. So I think it's important to give the team the fluidity to transition between different areas of focus And I look for someone who doesn't necessarily have to have product marketing experience. You know, in my industry specifically, someone who has just a general understanding of ad tech, but can communicate well 
can build relationships and manage relationships well and is hungry. I want someone who is hungry for information, not afraid to ask questions, not afraid to reach out to someone in the organization that they might not typically work with. I think that's really important to be successful in product marketing is to just kind of establish your role in the value that you provide to the broader business. That's fantastic. And I love how you've organized it. It makes a ton of sense. And with a smaller team, having everyone be full stack and nimble makes total sense to me. How does someone become a full stack product marketer? So I know a lot of companies aren't organized by this. And so you might be focused on discovery or sales enablement or launches. If they were to want to expand their skill set, either at an existing company or if they took another role, what would your advice be for getting to be full stack? I would say that it goes back to being open to asking for what you want. Can you find projects within your current company that might help you start to get experience or exposure to some of those other aspects of product marketing? So if you're only focused on sales enablement today and you want to start doing pricing or be a little bit more focused on go to market, you know, there are ways in which you can identify groups within an organization, whether it's within your team, or maybe it's cross-functionally within other teams and just try to find ways that you can learn about the process or get hands-on experience in the process, and then apply that to any future positions you have. For my team in particular, I don't expect the product marketers to come in with experience in every stage of product marketing. And I think there are definitely people in the team who are much stronger on the sales enablement side. And there are people that are much stronger on the discovery side or much stronger on, you know, the messaging side. And because we're such a tight knit team, we rely on each other for feedback and for input. And we make sure that we've got enough kind of touch points within our go-to-market process or our product launch process to ensure that people have the confidence that they need and the feedback and input that they need to be successful with those endeavors. So we like to just really rely on each other and play off of each other's strong suits where we need to. That's super helpful to understand. Thanks for sharing that. I love the project idea and taking on more than your scope. I always encourage team members and those looking to get into product marketing to do 10% projects to see, you know, product marketers, we usually are under-resourced and we need help. So reach out if you are looking to get into the role or expand, as you mentioned, and try out helping with a launch or helping with discovery. I think there can always be room to help if you're motivated and we'll do a good job. So that's really great. Now I'd love to shift a little bit. So we're both women in product marketing and we've both been women in ad tech, which is even more so of a male dominated type of industry, I would say than tech in general. So I'd love to hear just about your experience as a really successful woman now as a VP. Is there anything that you think has framed your experience as a woman that's been different than your male counterparts? I would say that I focused on my career for a very long time and I invested a lot of time and effort into kind of climbing the ladder, if you will, in the product marketing space. I would say that when I had my daughter two years ago, that definitely shifted my priorities a little bit. Not to say that work took a back seat, but it definitely made me 
rethink how I wanted to spend my days. I still want to be successful at work and I still want to be providing the same value that I did previously, but I also want to make sure that I can spend time with her in the morning and I can spend time with her in the evening or hop back online in the evening to work and close out any projects or or anything that I was working on for that day. So really making sure that you can carve out that time where I think obviously other people, other males in the organization, maybe don't have to think through it in that structured way and not say that they don't because some do, of course. But one example in particular that I think was An inflection point for me, I had just come back from maternity leave and we were having a sales conference and the company that I was at had just been acquired. And I knew that I needed to get to this sales conference and I knew I needed to build relationships with this new sales team that I was now going to be supporting. But my daughter was three months old and it was in Arizona and I'm in Michigan. So I told them like, I need to be there. I want to get in front of the team and build these relationships, but I'm also going to bring my three month old daughter with me. And it's a week long conference. And it's just something that I need to do for both my career and also for my family life. So I was lucky in that my husband had paternity leave and he could come and take care of the baby while I was at the conference, but I could still come back and take care of the baby and spend time with her as well. So I didn't have to be away from her for that week. So that was something that I just had to make work. And luckily my company is very flexible in that regard and supportive. So I was able to make that a good transition back into work life after having a baby. I'm so happy you did that and didn't just choose the conference over the baby. You would have been miserable, I'm sure, to be away for that long of a period of time at that really sensitive age. And what a good role model you are for the women in your organization that might need to make changes or make decisions like that in the future. So thank you so much for sharing that story. There's really real moments like that when you're a new mom and it's really overwhelming. And so I applaud you for making that really hard decision and being able to have the best of both worlds. (laughs) That's wonderful. All right. Now, one of my favorite questions right before we move into rapid fire, (laughs) because everyone has a good story and I know you've been incredibly successful throughout your career, but can you talk about a time you maybe bombed (laughs) either bombed a launch, something didn't go the way you thought it would. What lessons did you learn? Yeah, great question. So I would say, I think it was about five years or so. My company at the time was looking to launch a new ad format. And this ad format existed. There was already a competitor who was very successful in market with this format. And so my company really wanted to try to capture some markets for that ad format. And it was something that required total alignment between the supply that had to support this ad format and then the advertisers that were interested in using this ad format for their ad campaigns. And the product team did a great job. They built the format. Everything was ready. We needed the format supported on the supply side in order to deliver the advertising campaign. Unfortunately, we had publishers who were super excited. They integrated the format, didn't see any revenue. And they're like, this is not successful. We are removing the technology. Meanwhile, the advertisers, there's always a sales cycle. They finally were on board, wanted to test it out. Oh, wait, we have no supply to deliver this on because the timing didn't align between the two sides of the business. And what I had really wanted to do 
which I got shot down, was position this as a beta opportunity. We knew there were gonna be challenges aligning the two sides together. And by not positioning it as a beta opportunity, we completely burned ourselves. And basically that format failed miserably across the board, never revived. So that was a learning for me to always make sure in instances where we have a lot of interdependent things in order to make a product launch successful, always try to position it as a beta first. So that way both your clients understand that there's going to be hiccups. Things might not align day one, but you're part of this growing process with us. And that's something that has just stuck with me over time for many, many years. That's so frustrating. I'm so sorry. I bet you had many, I told you so moments throughout that, but sounds yes. like you get the Always high road. Always try to do a beta. Yes. <laughs> betas. Yes. I've had similar experiences and now betas are definitely my friends. So I can definitely relate to that. Thank you for sharing that. It's always interesting to hear how even with the best laid plans, things don't go well. So appreciate the learnings from that. All right. Now moving over to rapid fire questions. So who do you think have been your strongest mentors throughout your career? Great question. I have typically relied on building relationships with other strong people within my organization. So, you know, perhaps it's the head of our client service team who has been managing their team well or building processes that have been really compelling that I want to really get closer to them and adopt and try to implement in my team. Or maybe it's someone in our commercial organization who I just think has done a really good job with team management. So for me, it's really identifying those people in an organization that you can build those relationships with that you know are going to last for many, many years and that you can always rely on them when you part ways and are no longer at the same company. So it doesn't have to be someone in product marketing. It can very well be someone in other groups within an organization or outside your organization as well. That's super helpful. It's kind of like your mini board of advisors. Exactly. <laughs> what about your career? What would you say has been the one thing that's been the most important in terms of growing your career? Always say yes to opportunities. If you don't feel like you fit the mold for whatever that next step is, a new role, a promotion, whatever it might be, just have confidence that you've been asked to do something for a reason and that people feel confident that you're going to be successful in this next endeavor. So again, fake it till you make it, even if you don't think that you're ready for it right now, try to take on that opportunity with open eyes and just do the best that you can. Love that. Great theme of this whole chat today. So thanks for reiterating that. What about networking? Love it? Hate it? Do you do it? So I'm actually a pretty big introvert and I don't like in-person networking events, which is funny because I come from an agency background where you're always networking with people. I have really actually taken advantage of the pandemic to some extent to get more involved in organizations virtually where I'm much more comfortable. So for me recently, finding organizations like Product Marketing Alliance has been a great avenue for me to try to network with others in the space. And then also other women's groups. Together Digital was a group that I was involved in and just other women entrepreneurs in you know the ad tech space and other sectors as well. So take advantage of those where they, where they exist. 
Such good advice. I was actually just talking to our last guest, Kim Kaminsky, about how huge networking events where you're drinking wine should be banned because they're so awkward. And you're just like, should I go to that group of people that looks like they're laughing? Should I go talk to the other person that's standing alone? What do I say? It's so much anxiety. So I totally agree that connecting with people on shared interests and even using the virtual means where you can see people's names and have one-on-one conversations with them. I think that's great. And so hopefully we learned something from this virtual world and are able to have more breakout focused types of networking in the future, I would hope. I hope so too. All right. Why product marketing? So when I was on the agency side, one of the things that I really enjoyed was different companies always coming into the agency and pitching us new cool ideas. And I loved to be able to take that and shape that and then make a recommendation to my my client. And product marketing provides that value still for me. Again, it goes back to my enjoyment of the discovery phase. It's really understanding market dynamics. It's understanding where we have an opportunity to potentially bring something new to market that's going to be interesting and meaning for our clients. And so that's why for me, this job is always exciting. It's always changing every day. And the opportunities to be able to build something that you're excited about just persist throughout your career. Love that. All right. And last question for you. What's next for Amy? For me, after a long, long, what feels like forever career in ad tech, I think if I were to do something else, I would love to continue in product marketing, but perhaps look into a different sector. Maybe it's, you know, now as a a relatively new mom, something that's more in the kid sector or other opportunities that allow us to continue my product marketing journey, but might give me a a breather from ad tech at some point. I hear you. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been so wonderful having you. Everyone remember, fake it till you make it. Even when you're a VP, (laughs) it goes all the way to the top. But just loved having you. Thanks so much for being part of this. Thanks, Mary. It was great to be here. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, HighSpot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue. That wraps another episode of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone you think will love it. Next week, I speak with Augustina Sacerdote, who is the Global Head of Product Marketing and Content Marketing at Tidal, which is part of Square. Thank you so much for all of your support and catch you next week.